Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we look at some of the most exciting events uh, events and people in the Old Testament. We connect it with the New Testament. Um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2 tonight. Before we get started, I just want to say, um, if you're watching this on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, we've unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties, so the video might at some point switch over to a still screen or in fact you may be watching this the entire way through with this still screen so uh, we apologize for that inconvenience and we're going to be working to resolve that issue throughout this next week um, if you're what if you're listening to this heart in the heart and hands podcast i want to thank you so much for joining us tonight if you're watching this on facebook make sure to like and share that really helps us out if you're watching this on youtube make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video if you if this ministry has been a blessing to you if you really enjoyed this ministry i want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com and uh, there's a donate button there you can donate to this ministry through paypal and we'd love to have you partner with us um, as i've said we're going to be in exodus chapter two we're going to be talking about sargon the great and uh <laughs> his birth narrative and and how that affects uh what's going on in exodus chapter or two doesn't or that it doesn't right it doesn't uh but we're going to talk about all Most that people stuff they don't have a clue what you're who talking sargon about. the great when is you never said heard well, it. I go i'm going i don't have a clue what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know? and it really doesn't matter to me much and, well and it really shouldn't matter to us at all but no. we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and talk about it because that could of always that are. could be something that well, of course we are that uh that somebody has stuck in their mind so well before we get started brother That's why don't you right. pray for us Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study tonight. We pray your blessings upon us as we do that. We pray that you'd help us to navigate through the word and, and to find the things that we need to that we need to understand. That you be with our audience, Father, as they as they study and as they listen. Uh, that we'll say things, Father, that will spark an interest in, in them, that will say things that will that will help them to navigate through some problems in their lives, maybe. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this technology and thank you for everyone that's involved, for Sarah and Lee and and all that are involved uh, putting all this together. We thank you for them as well. Bless us, Father, tonight as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, before we get in, jump into Exodus 2 and, and the birth narrative of Moses, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, last week we looked at a question, and it was, you know, what is our response as Christians, or what should our response as Christians be to a government that has... Um, that has ordered evil to be done or mm -hmm. who has, who has uh, through politics or through policy, has decided evil is the name of the game. What should we do as Christians? This week, kind of building off of that question a little bit, should we allow, um, whether it be evil actions of the government or evil actions coming from a culture, should we allow that evil in this life to rob us of the joy that we have in Christ? Sadly, too many people do. No, I don't think we should. There's too much good going on. Sure, you can find bad all the time. You can find you could find bad, you know, through every generation. There's always stuff going on that evil people are going to do. That's just the the name of the game. It's been since that way since Adam and Eve. You know, the the there's been sin involved and people are going to do bad stuff. So I'm not going to let them dictate to me how I how I look at life, how I act. Uh, you know, I, told, I, I, did, I, I had the opportunity the other day to perform a wedding. It was just me and my wife and, and the guy and his fiance. That's all that was there. It was a private ceremony. And I've known this guy for 30 years. And the, when I met him, he was sitting on a concrete floor in a jail cell with bars between us. So there is a history. And I, I got the privilege of, of 
performing the ceremony for his first wife, who he dearly loved. She dearly loved him. She died young, and he's found another lady, and I got the privilege of doing of performing that ceremony. Man, you know, there's nothing. I don't care what the government does. They can't take that away from us. We went, they took us out to eat afterwards and we just sat around the four of us and we just, and we had a great conversation. We laughed and talked and we talked about things, you know, that we're, that we were doing and be involved in. It was just a great time, a, a great time to be, to be alive and be a part of that, that, the uh, that togetherness with them. Man, I'm not going to let the government take that away from me. I'm not going to let anybody take that away from me. That joy that's involved in working with people and helping people and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the. You know, when I got hurt the other day and, and and all my family was there and you were there. And remember what I told you? Mm -hmm. I said it was like all my sons were there. Man, I'm not going to let the government take that away from me. You know, that whether whether I knew it was coming or not, I got a, a relationship with a guy like you that that uh, that I'm, that is very close. You know, when you had struggles and problems, so you could call me. You know, that's that's uh, that's a joyful time. That's a joyful time. I got a chance the other day to sit at a table, eat with your with your daughter. She's a hoot, yeah. <laughs> you know. And 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 I disciplined her. I, t I told her, "Don't you can't be doing that. You know, don't do this." And her and my granddaughter were playing with their dresses, and 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 my daughter in law said, "You girls quit." Well, man, that's joyful time, man. Being in, in part of their life as they grow up and then watching those kids, watching those young men lead prayers and watching them sing. And, oh, man, it, man, I'm not going to let the government take that from me. Not. Or anything. No. You know, it's not. it's so easy to allow, you know, the, the what we would consider or what we may consider or what you may consider the collapse of our, the morals in our society to to steal that joy to rob we may i mean look at what's going on with the virus and all of these things right um you know it's so easy to allow things that are going on in the world to affect us and rob us of that joy but you know we have a god who's in control absolutely we have a god who's in complete control absolutely we have a god who we can trust that he's he is working he has a plan that's right and i and everything satan is doing is trying to rob me of the of the mindset that God's got a plan. That's absolutely He said, true. Yeah. Huh? He said absolutely that true. to Eve. He said that to Adam. I got a plan. He didn't. He didn't fill them on the details. He didn't tell them when he's going to do anything. He said, "I got a plan, and one day I'm going to fulfill that plan." Well, okay. Do you believe him or not? Well, I either believe him or I don't. If I believe him, then what's what can Satan do to rob me of of the mindset of of being just doing this. This is this is fun. It's a fun thing to do. I'm not gonna let Satan rob me of that. Yeah. I'm not gonna let him do no way, man. No way I'm gonna let him rob me of that. I'm gonna I'm moving on. You know, let him do what he's gonna do and I'm gonna do what I do. Well and it doesn't you know, it doesn't matter what Satan does, whether it's through the government or through the culture or whatever, it doesn't really matter what he does as long as we continue to stand in trust and faith that God is going to do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's so important to remember that it's so, you know, like Saul, when he's waiting for Samuel to come, right. And he's got all these Philistines and his army is fleeing his, his the army that he's raised of the Israelites to fight these Philistines. They're all fleeing and leaving. And he's sitting there waiting for Samuel to come and Samuel ain't coming. Mm -hmm. And so he, what does he do? He says, well, I'll just, 
I'll just manipulate God. I'll do the offering do myself. myself to get that blessing so I know God is with me. Mm -hmm. Right? And as soon as he's doing it, you know who walks in the door. Samuel, Samuel walks up and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why was Saul wrong? Was it because he offered the offering or was it because he didn't trust that he God was going to do what God said he was going to do? He was impatient. And we're going to, you know what? It's interesting because it's we see this in the narrative so often, right? Are we going to believe what God has said? Adam and Eve didn't. No. They didn't. You know, Eve, Paul points out, and I think rightly so, Eve was deceived. But Adam's sitting right there with her. Yeah. He was, so he was a deceased. So you tell me who has the greater sin, the one who is deceived into eating or the one who knew better and ate anyway? I think they're, I think they're both of them wrong. Well, they're both culpable. But my point here is I think Adam, Adam yeah. didn't trust, didn't believe what God had spoken. He didn't believe that if he ate of that fruit, he would die. But neither did she. Neither did she. Well, but again, she was deceived is yeah. Paul's point. It does say that. Yeah. She was deceived. So, she was lied to. And she believed it. And she believed people it. People are lying to people. People are lying today. I don't care who they are. You know, I don't care where. The, the, people are being lied to today. That's right. And they are buying it. And That's they're right. being deceived into thinking something is true when it's not. You know, we see it all the time. Yeah. We see it. People go to churches and they're lied to. There are things that are being taught to mm. them that are not true, that are not biblical. They're watching news shows and they're being told things that are not true. They're going to they're going to family functions and they're listening to family members say things that are not true and they believe it because it was a family member. People are being lied to everywhere. The only one that won't lie to me is God. That's right. And I'm going to stand on where God stands. I'm going to listen to what He tells me to do, and I'm and I'm going to trust that He's not going to lie to me. He's not going to lie to me. So that's a that's that's awesome. I get to be a part of that. The that's only right. challenge, the only charge He gave us was going over and preach the gospel. Right? That's right. Make disciples. And we can sit here for hours talking about what it means to make a disciple. What's involved in making a disciple. He said, baptize them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptize them. He said, and I'm going to be with you. Even to the end of the day. What, what of that was a lie? <laughs> what part of that did he say that wasn't true? And I can say, well, I'll believe this part, but I don't need to believe that part. Right. Which part of it was not true? It all was true. So... And he, and he gave us, you know, you know how all-encompassing that one charge, just those three little verses, how all-encompassing they are? Oh, It'll no. consume your whole life. You know, I've been, I've been working with Tim for 30-odd years. And, and, uh, and I've been working to try to help him to become a disciple. And something new has come up but that he and I are going to get involved in. Mm. That's going to help him to grow into another aspect of his discipleship walk. So much fun to be a part of. God, man, I, can't, man, I get giddy just thinking about it because it's so much fun to watch him grow. Now, now I've got his his new wife Angie that I get to I get to be with and get to help her to grow. Now, you see how can how can you look at at I don't I don't even want you know what I quit doing quit watching the news. I don't care what they're saying. I, I don't care. I quit watching the stock market and all that. I don't care. You know, because I know that there's a bunch of people out there that don't believe in God that are making policy and making and 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 have making directional changes that affect me. But you know, I'm not going to let it affect me in a negative way. If you can't, uh, if you if the news, if after watching the news, you find yourself frustrated and vexed and worried, it's probably about time to. If you're a disciple, it's time to turn it off. Maybe it's time to turn it off. It's, it might be time to yeah, turn it off. You know, look and and some people some people can watch the news. 
and it not affect them, mm-hmm. you know, not affect them. And that's very good. I'm not saying that we should be ignorant of everything that's going on around us. That's not, and I don't think that's what you're saying either. No. But no. if we can't take in that information and filter it through the pa- biblical paradigm, which says God is in control mm-hmm. no matter what these people are mm-hmm. doing or what they're not doing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. God is the ultimate authority here. And if you can't filter it through that, it might be time to turn it off. I have a more difficult time filtering media um when I watch it, when it's when it's visual, I have a more difficult time filtering it in that medium than if I read it. And so when I read it, I don't know why. I don't. It's just the way I engage with the material, possibly. And so you might be the same way. You might need to turn off the news, the video news, and just read the news. Um, and that might be better for you. I, I do it, and as we're getting into this text, because we did a pretty controversial stuff last week. Sure. All right. Uh, and well, it's controversial for some people. For some people, but not, not for controversial. Us. Not for me. Us. No, not for us. But it's just but, the way uh, it is. But you know, when you, I, I need to know what's going on, because I'm going to deal with a lot of people. Sure. So I need to know what's going on. I need to know what winding their clock up. Sure. And what I'm going to have to what I'm going to have to do about it. How, how I'm going to deal with it. But that's completely different than, yeah. than a person who might be watching the the news or the media or might be reading the news and media and they're sitting there, you know, and it tears them up every day. Well, you know, look at what was going on here. Exactly. What was going on? You know, th- these people are being tore up by a, a a dictate that's come down from high up and said, this is what I want you all to do. Sends people in to, to make it happen, to start killing, killing children. That was not a good, that was a, that was an evil plan. It was. It was evil, but it was still part of God's plan. Now, I can't help you wrap your mind around all that. Okay. Just we have to trust God. As we get into chapter two and see what well, God's certainly going to use it to say that absolutely, you know, there's a, there's a nuance there to say that it's part of his plan in the sense that he is going to use the evil. Absolutely. That's what that I mean. the enemy yeah. is doing. Not, not that so God's enemy, doing evil. Yeah. The enemy is sitting here motivating Pharaoh to mm-hmm. distrust these people and to kill these people. And God is going to sit there and use the works of the enemy to bring deliverance yeah. and to bring salvation. Yeah. And so let's jump into it. Let's get into, into Exodus chapter two. I almost said Genesis. You want to go back to Genesis no, chapter two? No, we're done. We, we, we've got Moses now on the scene. We don't need to go back. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so we're so the birth of Moses. We're in Exodus chapter two. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And she hid him for three months because the governmental policy concerning the Hebrews right now, according to Pharaoh and his department of the interior, is to just throw these children in the Nile, yeah. to completely wipe them out, to destroy them. Feed them to the crocs. Feed them to the Crocs. That's yeah, right. That's what that's what Pharaoh has in mind for Hebrew children. And so when she saw that he's a male child and that she's he's very fine, he she hides him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, you know, how long can you hide a child, an infant like that? Well, but remember, there's there there uh, uh, there's a Pharaoh has come on the scene that does not did not know Joseph. Mm-hmm. Remember, so it's getting very bad very quickly. Right. And so there's there may be police actions taking place. They may be searching homes illegally. Uh, there's all kinds of things could be happening. They could be pulling people over and dragging them out of their cars, you know, monitoring their cell phones, you know. And I, they could be, yeah, right. How active is this? It could be very active. You know, he's. I mean, he's given. I mean, he's kind of made it. He, Pharaoh has made it carte blanche. He said, then Pharaoh gave this order. This is in chapter one, verse 22. He gave this order. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the mob, but let every girl live. And so he really, he's really just kind of opening it up. This is the Mm -hmm. general Mm -hmm. order, 
right? Yeah. So can just, you know, could you imagine you're walking down the street and an Egyptian sees you and grabs that baby and throws it, your child and throws it. I mean, is that what's going on I here? I think so. You know, I think, I think it's probably worse than what we can think. Hmm. I think they're probably, I think they're probably, uh, you know, ha has a pregnant woman, has she, has she hid herself for the, for the nine months that she was pregnant? Have they systematically gone from house to house to see if people were pregnant or not? Have they ordered have they, that these women go to the the local priest? As we discussed last week, they they have they have belief systems that they can tell right without doing an ultrasound. Obviously, they don't have ultrasounds, but they have belief systems that they can tell the gender in the womb. So, are these women being forced to go see the priest or priestess and and being examined to figure out what's really going on here and what we need to be looking for? Are they taking numbers? You know see, how now, how what's now, really going on? There's no. There's no law in place yet. There's no there's no structure in place yet. They have passed down their belief in God through generation after generation after generation. Are you talking about the Israelites? Yeah. The Israelites, yes. yes. And they live in a society where there is a belief system that is completely opposed to God. That's right. Okay. And so you don't think that's permeated through their society? Mm. I think it's permeated, but you don't think that there's a belief system in our culture today that is permeating our society? Absolutely. That's permeating the church. It, it is. And that's the sad part because it's permeating the church too. Just like it, it permeates. Now there's, there's a vast difference between us and, and these ancient Israelites. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have, we have a, uh, we have a, a, uh, orthodoxy. Whereas at this point in time, they may not. They have mm -hmm. the traditions mm -hmm. that have been handed down from Abraham and the and uh, J Isaac and Jacob. They have those familial traditions that have been handed down. They have the words of their forefathers. But what we we know that the Egyptians at this time have a very complex and orthodox pagan religion. They have this happened and this happened and this happened and this god did this and this goddess did this and this goddess is responsible. They have a very uh, um, gosh, the word is escaping me, but they have a very robust system of religion here mm -hmm. and how much of it has affected the hebrews i mean i, mean, I already know I mean, they, they, if we they, go and look in in numbers or if we go look in you know exodus as they farther down we're going to see that they really clinged you know especially paul talks about it in first corinthians they clinged to their the gods that they picked up from egypt even when following yeah. you know the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke uh the pillar of fire and pillar of smoke mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. even while following that they held on to their gods and so you're absolutely right. It's permeated, it's permeated their whole society. Permeated their whole society. Yeah. They they are slaves not only and, and you would physically be, but and spiritually. To be like Moses' mother, and what she's fixing to do, you would be if could, could they be spying on each other? Oh man, that's what that's what our society is trying to get to do, people to do today. That's very true. That we spy on each other, and we'll turn each other in. You, you see. You see, we're no different than it was back then. The, the, the technology is just different. But it's the same. Sin is sin. It's always been the same. Satan is still Satan. Satan still tempts people. Satan still deceives people. He lies. He's a conniver. And he's walking around seeking who he can devour. It's That's the right. same today as it was then. It's right. no different. And so here's this woman. Puts her, son in, puts her son in a basket. And here we go. And in verse 3, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, there is a there are actually a lot of ancient Near Eastern uh, birth narratives in mytho-historical texts 
from the Sumerian, ranging from the Sumerians all the way to the Romans. Okay, um, a lot of scholars have tried to link this story to the story of Sargon the Great and to other of these birth myths. Okay, mm -hmm. and they've tried to claim that the Hebrew narrative steals from this other narrative. If you get on, if you start searching you know, Moses' birth narrative, or you start, you know, getting online and trying to do any research, you're going to inevitably run into this stuff. Um, and that's why I want to I want to talk about it, but only very briefly. Sargon the Great was an Akkadian ruler, uh, one of the first, who ran one of the first empires uh, back in Sumer, in ancient Sumer. Um, his birth narrative, and I'm actually going to read it, his birth narrative goes as such. My mother was a high priestess, my father I knew not, the brothers of my father loved the hills. My city is Azuparanu, uh, Az, Azupiranu, which is situated on the banks of the Euphrates. My high priestess mother conceived me in secret. She bore me. She set me in a basket of rushes with butamen. She sealed my lid. She cast me into the river, which rose over me. The river bore me up and carried me to the god Aki, the drawer of water. Um, Aki, the drawer of water, took me as his son and reared me. Aki, the drawer of water, appointed me as his gardener. While I was a gardener, I ran, um, Ishtar, another goddess, granted me her love, and for four years, I exercised kingship. And so they look at that birth narrative, and they look at this story in Exodus, and they say, ah, oh, this is where the Hebrews stole it from. Now it all makes sense. Uh, we're going to pump the brakes a little bit on that. That is not the case. This narrative uh, is different, is quite different. So while, yes, there is the child, and the child is put in a basket, Pharaoh's mother is not a priestess. She's a slave. Okay. The priestess throws the child into the river, possibly as an offering to their gods. That's not what this woman is doing. She's hiding this child. She's trying to save him. That's what she's trying to do. Mm -hmm. The high priestess wasn't trying to do that in the slightest. Then it's the gods who pick up and take this child and then give him authority and kingship and all of these things, which is very similar to what we looked at way back when, when we were looking at Genesis chapter uh, one and two, and we talked about the, the Babylonian law code, Hammurabi's law code, mm -hmm. and how he claimed he was a divine descendant meant to do all these things. Moses isn't isn't going to do that. See, Sargon the Great's birth narrative is, is an, in a sense, is an attempt to propagandize and say, this is why I have the right and the authority to rule, because I'm descended from the gods. The pharaohs claim the same thing. Moses is never going to claim that. Moses is never going to make that claim. Moses is going to turn the people over to God. Yep. And Moses will constantly say, these are your people, Lord. Yep. Moses isn't king of anything. Mm -hmm. So to, to look at these two narratives and try to equate them is not, is not the case at all. They're not the same. They're not remotely the same. They're not even given for the same reasons. And so we have vastly different narratives. There are some similarities, of course, with the child being thrown into the river. But there are a lot of stories about children being thrown into river, Romulus and Remus and the way and the way the founding of Rome and things of that nature. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Hebrews, to claim that the Hebrews stole this story or adapted it from Sargon the Great is just ridiculous. There isn't, and furthermore, there's no textual evidence to back that up. You know, we haven't seen, this story isn't one that's progressed, right? We have a bunch of manuscripts that have the first part of the life of Moses. And then we have a bunch of manuscripts over here that have a latter part. Or, and you can see where they're developing. You don't see that. There's, there's no evidence for that. So to make the claim, there's just not enough evidence to, to satisfy uh, any type of reality. There's no, there's no evidence to back up that claim. 
And so it's very important that we understand that. When we start looking at, at the Bible and at Scripture, there are going to be a lot of people who try to overtly claim that it's not true because of this reason or that reason. Well, and, that's, and that's the reason that when I, when I study with people, you know, we're, we're going to get to a point where, where we're going to have to decide, is this God's Word or not? If it is, then we're going to stand on what it says. I'm not going to worry about stuff that's not there, stuff that people claim that should be there. I don't care about all that. Because if God is, is God strong enough and powerful enough to put together a book that I can trust that can get that can help me to find access to Him right. and find eternal life? Is that is that is the, and if it is, then this is what I'm going to stand on. I don't care about Sardon or whatever. I don't care about the Book of Enoch. I don't care about the Gospel of Thomas. I don't care about any of that stuff. If God wanted it in there, it'd be there. Evidently, He didn't want it there, and so. We're going to look at it and say, okay, I'm going to stand on the premise that this is God's word. That's all I need. And I'm going to, and I'm going to move from there and say, let's find out what it, God's word says. And then what are we going to do with it? That's right. So. so in verse five, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Okay. This was a scam, is what this was. This was a scam. This mother, you think, you know, I, this is my opinion on this, and it doesn't say this in the text, but this is my opinion. This mother, his mother, knew that Pharaoh came down to the river. This is where Pharaoh's mother, Pharaoh's daughter, excuse me, comes down to the river to bathe. And so I'm going to put this child right here I'm going to leave my daughter to watch. And Lord willing, this this Pharaoh's daughter will come down and see this child and she'll pick it up and, and keep it. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll get my daughter to stand by and watch. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going on here. You know, have you seen those videos where those those motorcyclists, those in, in some of these countries, those motorcyclists will, will drive up in front of your car and then slam on their mm -hmm. brakes and throw themselves back? I think that's what we, what we see going well, on here. I... I, I... You know, as you look at it in in verse by verse, this this uh, uh, there was probably a a this something you and I talked about before. This Pharaoh's daughter didn't go random places to go take a bath. Right. Yeah. Exactly. She probably went to one place a lot. They probably had it fixed up for her. It was isolated. It was it was cut off where people couldn't watch her. Maybe it was a it was a house and it was behind the house and they had, they had they had put uh, a cobblestone or something down to the water and and so she went down there. Maybe they had the water done into like a little fountain. It was probably this was Pharaoh's daughter, so it was probably really nice things you can think of doing in a in a backyard patio with a koi pond and all that. It was probably like that. You know what ruins my bath time, Dan? Was <laughs> You know what just ruins it every time? I have no idea. Nile crocodiles. <laughs> Nile crocodiles. You think so? Ruin you think it. so? You think Ruin that it. they probably had this fixed where Nile crocodiles weren't going to be a problem? Well, I mean, unless Pharaoh wants his daughter as lunch, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously not ignorant of what lives in this river. He's throwing all these babies in there. Yeah. So she's got to be going somewhere where they where it ain't chow time, right? <laughs> yeah. She's got to be going somewhere on this river where and she ain't going to get eaten. You're saying Moses' mother knew that. Yeah. That's what. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that this mother, for three months while she hid this child, figured out what she was gonna do. You know, I've, I've just the other day, we had a problem where my wife was taking Isabel to school, and Isabel's our, our middle, my middle child, 
and she's taken her and Alice and my youngest to school. And Isabel, my, my wife is at, talking to him before she drops him off. And she says, hey, are you excited to, to go to school? And she starts crying. She's crying because there's a girl in her class who started bullying her. Wow. Started, started treating her real bad. And she's been dealing with this girl for a, over a year because this girl's been doing this since last year. And we, and you know, our, we have a big deal in our family. We have a mission, okay? And our mission is to help take care of people, right? God is taking care of people and we want to help in that process. And so we drill that into our kids. So Isabel is very kind, very loving. She's always trying to encourage and help and compliment people. And this girl just has decided she doesn't like Isabel for whatever reason, you know? Um, she told my wife, she told her mother, I don't want to go to school anymore. So it's gotten so bad that my daughter doesn't even want to go to school. You should have seen my wife. <laughs> she was, I mean, Over wow. the top, man. Oh, oh, she was not happy. Now, she, she texted me about it. And we talked about it. And we dialogued. But she was pretty upset and she texted the teacher and said, you know, hey, this isn't this isn't going to be okay and everything like that. But for the past few days, I've had to endure very harsh comments from my wife, not about me, but about this, mm, okay. this, yeah. this situation. Mm -hmm. um, you threaten a mother's children <laughs> and, and things come unglued pretty quick. Yeah. I don't think Moses' mom is sitting there going, well, you know, I might be able to hide him for three months, but then I'm just going to have to. Throw him to the crocs. Throw him to the crocs. I don't think she's doing that. I think she's out. She. I think she's got her daughter out looking. I think she's out looking. I think her husband's out looking. Mm -hmm. I think she's got people on the lookout for what they're going to do with this kid, trying to figure out how they're going to save this child because yeah. that's what parents do. Yeah. I think she loved this child. I, I think, think so. all these people loved this child I and it's these children. And I think they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. And I, my guess, just by looking at the text, my my hunch here. Right. As soon as Pharaoh's daughter draws this baby up out of this water, right? As soon as she draws him up out of this basket, the sister immediately pops up. Well, if this is an area where Pharaoh's daughter, all right, the daughter of the king is coming to bathe. It's as you said, it's private. They've got to have some type of security. Otherwise, them crocs, those sneaky crocs will come up and eat yeah. this woman. So there's got to be some type of security. So for this child, for these two children to get in like this, to get this daughter, this this child before Pharaoh's daughter, and to just so willingly pop up, maybe is is his sister here, this girl, this daughter here, um, not the Pharaoh's daughter, but the his mother's mm -hmm. Moses's sister. Does she maybe work for Pharaoh's daughter? Is that what's going on? So we don't know any of that. Well, we don't, but. I mean, look, this Hebrew, this Hebrew daughter just pops up out of nowhere, out of the bushes. What, what is, so, so Moses is, so Moses is drawn up out of the bag and then pop, like a, like a jack in the box up comes the sister. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and what Pharaoh's daughter's initial reaction is what? So this woman is stupid, right? She doesn't see what's happening. Oh, I know when I know a Hebrew mother who could nurse, nurse this baby. You think Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's see, daughter doesn't know what's going on? We don't know any of that stuff, but what we do know is is as we read between the lines, there's more going on here than what we have. Absolutely. And that's and that's really the point. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the text doesn't go into this detail. No, no. But I mean, if we just stop and put this stuff out there, what is this text saying? Yeah. You know, is this text is this text literally saying that it only happened this way? Does that make you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There are details here that aren't filled in and, and we're encouraged to think about it. This is not just some random event. That's what I'm saying. This isn't yeah. some random event. 
he didn't she didn't just toss this baby into the river and walk away mm-hmm. and and let it be what it be this was planned well, out a lot of ready time, to go a lot of times when we read the scriptures a lot of a lot of people we take just the words it says and we don't and we don't think through it we just it's a story we tell you know i've heard this story taught right, before yeah. but because there's no you and i can talk about it you know we talk about uh, what what was on this woman's mind? What was what was this woman thinking? Well, I can tell you what my wife would have been thinking. Tell you what your wife was thinking. I can, I can tell you that if, if we don't know how old the daughter was, we have no idea. We don't ha- know how old his sister is. You know, did did she did she they purposely steer that thing to when the the Pharaoh's daughter was going to be there, knowing this woman opens the basket and knows immediately that little boy's been circumcised, knows immediately it's a Hebrew child. So he knows, she knows. And, and so she's, she's, uh, she, she, they know that evidently they know that this daughter is not like Pharaoh. He doesn't, she doesn't have the same mindset. And so maybe they do know her. Right. The law, that's a, that's an excellent point. The law right now is to just cast these children into the Nile. She's drawn this child up out of the Nile. There's a lot of there's 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 some significance there. Literary I, speaking, I, there's some significance and, there. And I know that God's involved here. Right. God's got a plan and he's gonna work it through Moses. I, I understand that. And he's working on but it doesn't tell us that here yet. No. It it does tell us here's a narrative. What could it have been this? Well, but this narrative also isn't divorced from the narrative that we've just been through in Genesis. No, no. In Genesis, God proved he is always faithful. And he's already told, we, the readers, know that he has already told Abraham, your descendants are going to go, they're going to be a slave, but I'm going to draw them out. Yeah. Now the the cries of the people are reaching out. And God's already involved. He's already in chapter one. God's already now, involved. Remember, we know now that this has been 400 years. Okay, mm-hmm. Moses doesn't come on the scene until they've been in captivity for four over four hundred years, around four hundred years. So now Moses comes on the scene, but it doesn't tell us all that. It just says there's a new king, and so doesn't they, know Joseph. And they start to they start to enslave them. Start to they now they're slaves. But God is already involved in the picture. absolutely. He's already blessing the midwives who aren't going to do the evil that Pharaoh has asked them to do. He's already working. And yeah. so when this occurs, we need we need to understand that God is behind it. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Pharaoh has commanded, and and look at the literary imagery and, here. And Pharaoh is the commanded. question you asked is: Do we let the things going on around us rob us of the joy? No, because I know God's involved. That's right. I know God's here. That's right. And and I don't have to understand how He works. I don't have to understand what I may get involved in that he's not really working that way and it's not going to work. You know, but what, I do, <laughs> but what I do know is that when it when it came time for me to go sit in the jail and teach God's word, it worked. In some instances, it worked in some people's lives. And, and I got the privilege of being a part of that in one of those guys' lives just the other day. That's and that's right. 30 years later. So I know God's involved. So in verse 7, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And her response, look at this. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. What's she going to tell her daddy? You know, Pharaoh's daughter, I was about to say, Pharaoh's daughter is not an idiot. It's very unlikely that she's stupid, okay? I mean, it's possible. It's always, it's certainly possible, but she's got to know this is a racket. 
Oh, this daughter, this daughter just pops up out of the grass and says, oh, I know a perfect Hebrew woman who can nurse the child for you. She's got to know what's going on. It's so important to remember there is a difference between the government and the people. <laughs> the government here is wholly wicked. Pharaoh has given an order, kill all these children. His own daughter refuses to follow that what's order. What's he going to tell her? What's she going to tell him? What's she telling him when she comes home with a baby? And it's a circumcised Hebrew baby. Well, she, or she noticed, not going to tell him. She, well, the child grew older, so the child is weaned. The, child, the, the weaning process of a child, especially in these three, days, four years. three, four years. Yeah. So this child pops up in Pharaoh's household three, four years later. What's she going to tell? What's she going to tell him then? What's she going to say? Oh, he was he was hitchhiking. I picked him up. You know what's she going to say? We don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. But you see what I'm saying? That. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, she ha she's at a point. I don't care what you said. That's right. There's a law in place. Do you think she could get in trouble for for violating the law, the edict that Pharaoh has set down? She is doing exactly what he was afraid was going to happen. And how often? And how often do we see? You know, looking at it from our perspective, how often do we see these types of laws? Laws for thee, but not for me, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's how it works. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got to ask: Would it? He, would the hypocrisy even have been noted? Would Would Pharaoh have even commented on the Probably fact that not. his daughter decided Probably to not. do this? We see that all the time. We see family people in power, leadership, and their families are a mess. Families are corrupt as they can be, man. You know, just doing all kinds of ungodliness. You all need to do this, even though I'm not doing it. Yeah. Do what I say, not what I do. That's right. Well, so here, it's even back here. Yeah. You even see back examples there. of this even it, back it's, here. It's, 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 you know, we didn't, we didn't invent this. <laughs> no, you know, no. it's always been around. That's why I'm not going to let it rob me of my joy. Because th this is a, this is a, 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 a lifestyle that's been around forever. And even despite this, God is working. Absolutely. Even despite Absolutely. the evil and wickedness Absolutely. of mankind, Absolutely. God is going to continue to work. He's already setting things up to deliver these people out of this bondage. Mm -hmm. That's what he's doing. Yeah. He's working towards it right now. He's working in it in here. Just because we don't see it. I mean, look, if you were a fly in the wall or if you were, if you were one of them Nile Crocs stuck on the other side of the gate and couldn't get into the bathing area, but you were watching this happen, okay? You wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily have any idea that God was at work, mm -hmm. that God was moving things and working things to deliver this people, not only to deliver this people, to, per, to perform miracles that would go ahead of them 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, when they go into the land and they meet Rahab, okay, the prostitute in Jericho, yeah. when they meet her and they say, was it Jericho? It was Jericho, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When they, when they say, you know, they, she says, oh, oh, you're the Israelites and, and our people are trembling in fear because of you, because we've heard of the great things that God has done in Egypt. That's 40 years later. Yeah. Yep. God does such great things in Egypt, demonstrating his power and authority because of Pharaoh, because of the wickedness that he has done. That 40 years later, a prostitute named Rahab is going to hear about it. And she's going to side with the Israelites. She's going to say, but it, but isn't that what happens, Cole, when when we get connected to God? God does such great things in our lives. And I'm not talking about uh, miraculous stuff. I'm just talking about changing lifestyle. Oh, sure. Changing the way people see life. You know, your life today is going to be changing lives for, for, gener for generations to come. 
your your life. You already got, you know, two or three people in your family, people that you knew from the past that are faithful, are striving to be faithful and make striving to become disciples. You don't think that's 40 years later, God's still going to be talked about because of that? God is great. You see? How in the world can we, you know, when you ask a question, am I going to let him let this stuff steal my joy? No, no, because this is way more fun doing this. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, is it bad? Yeah, I understand it's bad and it's going to, you know, I understand all that, but I'm not going to dwell on it. So what do we do when things get so bad, when things get, I mean, this is despicable. This is, I mean, this is the fact that a mother would have to do this. You know, the fact that you have a, that a daughter of the ruling class who's who's having to violate the law to get all this stuff, to do all this stuff right. The, the, this whole mess. I mean, it's a mess. So what do we as the people of God, what are we supposed to do in the face of a mess like this? And and I think you've, you've pointed out, you know, very succinctly what it is, is we have to keep living. We have to keep following God. We have to keep trusting in him. We have to keep looking for him. And we make an work. impact as we go. That's right. You know. I don't know if I've done it on this thing, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. I don't remember. I, come try, I was sitting here trying to think when we recorded the, la the, the last one and, and that would have happened before, you know, what they're going to watch tonight. We recorded before, and I don't know, you know, but, you know, my wife was in a car accident, and a lady ran into her. And, uh, and a few days later, four days later, I fell off the roof and dislocated my shoulder. You know, so things were... And I, and I watched my wife, you know, her car she just dearly loves, you know, it's been a long time since she's had a, a, a one like that. And a lady ran, ran a green light, an unprotected green, and ran into the side of her and tore, tore, crashed her car. And she was over comforting the lady. We're out there, me and Kevin are out there waiting for the record driver to come, talking to the police officer, and she's up standing by Prosperity Bank, and she's comforting the lady and her granddaughter, you know? I fall off the I fall off the roof, and and in a treatment room, and I'm and I'm bannering back and forth with the with the nurse, you know. I don't really care, you know. I've, I've already prayed, God, whatever happens, just take care of it. Make make sure that everything's gonna be okay, and uh, and I'm gonna keep keep uh, focused on you. That's all I want to do, focus on you. And so me and the nurse get have a banner back and forth, and the doctor and I have a banner back and forth, and you know they come in and say, well, we're gonna let you go. And I said, what do you mean, let me go? What about the x-rays? And all they can't all came back negative. Okay. Fell all off right. a roof. Yeah. I fell off a roof and dislocated. I mean, five times it came out. Okay. That I had to put it back in. Well, the, the fact that you, you're your age and you fell off a roof and all that happened is you dislocated your shoulder is, is pretty remarkable in and of well, itself. Yeah. The nurse said, I saw that on a chart, 70 year old on a roof doing shingles, fall it off. I got to beat this guy. He <laughs> said, this guy, well, but you know what? You know, I'm not going to let all the nonsense and all the what ifs and could be's. I'm not going to let it affect me. We don't let it affect us. That's what we do. That's how we move on. I'm going to, you know, new stuff. That's all okay. But you know what? I Today I have to decide to follow Jesus. That's right. Today. Not next week, not tomorrow, not next month. Today. And that means I'm going to live a life. I'm going to live a life Absolutely. worthy, not because I am worthy, not because I made myself worthy. And that, no, and, and me no, living no, a life worthy no. is not what makes me worthy of his grace. I'm going to live a life worthy of the gospel because I have his grace. Yeah. Because he's given me his grace. Because he's, off, he's showered me with a free gift. And so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to allow the world 
whatever the world does. Look, folks, if, if, if you haven't been paying attention, this calamity is going to end and there's going to be another calamity down the road. Yeah. I, I was watching videos from the 40s and 50s, or excuse me, rather, 50s and 60s of these children that they're interviewing in England. And they're asking them, what is the year 2000 going to look like? And, and a lot of them said, there's not going to be a year 2000. We're all going to die because of the bombs. That's what they told them. That's what they said in the interview. We're in 2021. Mm-hmm. You have, we have no idea what God is doing. We have no, well, look, we know what he is doing. We know God is glorifying himself. We know that God is maturing the saints. And we know that God is seeking and saving the lost. Those are the things that God is doing pretty much all the time. We know that. But how he's going about it, we don't know. We can't even begin. Look at what he's doing here. Yeah. You can't, we can't even begin to imagine the things that God is doing. And so because we can't even begin to imagine how God is doing those things, how he's accomplishing those things, we need to be faithful. We need to trust in him. We need to not allow the world to knock us off our rocker because the world decides to be the world. And how do you do that? Focus on something else. You know, focus. You know what? If you don't know what God's word says, if you don't know what his promises are, if you say you love Jesus, but you don't know what he expects of you. You don't know how he wants you to live your life. You don't know what his teachings were. All you know about Jesus is that he was a nice guy. If that's the extent of your knowledge of Jesus, you don't know Jesus. You don't certainly don't love Jesus, and you are not following Jesus. That's right. That's if right. you don't know the things that Jesus, if you're going to say, well, Jesus is God and he's my king, and you're going to say that, but then you don't know anything that your king and God has said. And don't do anything that he said. And don't do. do anything that he said. You don't know what he said. And how? if you don't know what he said, how can you do? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you're not in your book, if you're not in the book, and you're not studying, and you're not learning the things that Jesus expects you to do, and you don't know how Jesus would look at things, then you are well, not Cole, following. In more than one occasion, he said, he said, you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing to do what? Deny, Deny yourself. yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's and right. if you don't know that basic right there, if you don't know that and you're not striving to do that every day, then you can't be his disciple. Period. Can't. And and I'm 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 looking at this and and I, you know, you 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 focus on something else. Focus on him. Yeah. Focus on him. Focus on him. That's what the Hebrew midwives did. So anyway. I believe that's what we see his mother do. Yeah. You know, to even become pregnant. Think about that for a second. You know, you know what's going to happen. The possibility. You got a 50-50 shot that you're going to have a male. You know, to know and to bring him forth anyway. And then to struggle and fight. I, I believe his parents had great faith in God. I believe they did. And I believe that faith was rewarded. Just like the faith that we have, the, the Hebrew midwives, now, that faith now, was rewarded. And remember, for 400 years, we have nothing. We have nothing. We don't have any information about what was going on, how God was working, how God was, was you know, showing himself to them. We don't have anything. Do right. we? we have nothing for 400 years. And they're crying out to God still. So that means they were, correct me if I'm wrong, that means from the time Abraham, Joseph, and all, that whole family, they Judah, we talked about, Judah had started that, that metamorphosis, changing. So he's teaching his children, and his children are teaching their children, just like what I saw last Sunday night. Yeah. Saw that last Sunday night. Those little kids, you lead them in some songs, and they're roll, 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 and you know, and and they're and those little guys are praying, and the and the little girls are coming up, and they're singing with you, man. That's what was happening. 
They were teaching that stuff. So when he brings about the law, and they have the law in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and calls the Shema, love God with all of your heart. And I listened to those kids recite that verse the other day. You know, that's exactly what was happening. That's how they perpetuated the idea of God. That's how we, in a, in a cruel, violent, evil world, we perpetuate the mindset and the love of God by training our children. That's right. And we're a church here that that's what we're committed to. We're going to train our children in the, in the workings of God and what his law says, what his word says. And we're going to, and we're going to work with them until they get it. That's right. We're going to make disciples. We're going to make disciples of them. That's right. That's right. So if you want a church like that, come, come visit us. We'd love to have you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your plan and, and how it unfolds. We don't always understand everything. We don't understand how it all works. But Father, to be involved with you and to be involved with the plan and to be involved with your church and with your people is a joyful, joyful place to be. And it's a, it's a comforting place to know that you're involved, Father, and you're there. Help us, Father, as we move forward. Help our audience, Father, if they don't have a place, they don't have a relationship with you. Father, help them to, to get one. Help them to, to navigate through those things they need to navigate through so they can have a relationship with you and that you will you will show them that tremendous joy where you we can rejoice always. 